Bonjour, and welcome to the sixth week of Minus You. Last week we talked about there will always be a reason not to, where we explored the fact that regardless of what you are doing, where you were at, what needs to be done, there was always going to be an excuse not to take care of something that needs to get done. This week's episode is Submission to Selective Weakness, which is an episode that I cultivated mentally over time regarding gender roles, what I thought I wanted, versus how that has changed a lot in reflection and in different circumstances and experiences. I am a very assertive person. I have always forged my own path. I am a very determined person and I work very hard and I do not give up until I get what I want. I think this is what drew Nicholas and I together and what made us so successful object and job-wise. We both work until we get what we want. If there was a literal power couple that got shit done, it was definitely Nicholas and I. But we were constantly working hard and constantly working independently, not interdependently or together. When we moved into that house that we, you know, that Nicholas bought or we bought or whatever you want to say it as, I really grew into a feminine role. I furnished that house. I made that place a home for my pseudo-husband. I basically did everything besides cooking and occasionally dishes. I would clean the house, vacuum, furnish, build furniture, which this is kind of a funny comment, but Nicholas was so bad at building furniture. This is not me hating on him at all, but he was just actually really bad at it and it was very funny to watch. But I would sweep, I'd feed cats, do laundry, make the beds. I would fulfill the role of a wife. Nicholas went to work and he was in school. Nicholas ate, slept, and breathed his job and school. Understandably so at times. It was really stressful to balance all of it on top of our sudden choice to move home and now trying to look for a job in Oregon. So both of us were fulfilling our basic gender roles, mine with the house and his with work. But with bo what both of us failed to do was to fill each other's emotional needs. I will go into much depth about this in episode 9 when I talk about the five love languages. Nicholas worked very hard at his job. And it was a job that he kind of got based off of luck. I would say both our jobs that we had were a combination of timing, luck, location, and our work ethics. But Nicholas was the youngest person at his workplace, and his boss kind of treated him like garbage because of it. I hated this. I hated seeing this happen to him. I hated seeing him get walked all over because I knew who he was, what he was capable of, and his worth. This happened for about a year. For a whole year. Like, maybe a month under a year. Nicholas let his boss just walk all over him. Treated him like a child. Giving him literal wake-up calls. Completely doing this purely as a power trip over Nicholas's age. And Nicholas did the exact job as everyone else. There was not a single difference. He just didn't have his bachelor's degree yet. He was paid significantly less, had no incentives. In fact, he was invited to staff meetings purely from the fact that his boss wanted him to feel quote-unquote included. It was just, it pissed me off to see him get treated that way. He complained about it a lot of the time, and I understood it because it made me really upset too. But over time, 
I started to kind of get disappointed. Nicholas was letting his boss walk all over him. He never really stood up to him, never asked him to treat him fairly. He just kind of like let it happen and then just complained about it. And it became really unattractive to me. I knew that Nicholas was smart, motivated, hardworking, more than capable of having a conversation that is not disrespectful, but that would conserve his self-confidence and his self-worth in the workplace. But he never did it. I began to see this as a weakness, and it was a bit embarrassing. I wanted to see my man, my future husband, see his worth and act on it. Not without paying respect or like going overboard, but just enough to say what he needed to say. When he got his promotion and his raise and everything, he said that he had a conversation with his boss and things got better. But I remember asking him, I said, was it really worth it to just sacrifice all of that dignity for a year? And he said it was. I strongly disagreed. I still do. The reason I mentioned this story is because I saw this as a weakness of him as a man. I wanted my man to take what was his and to be strong consistently, not selectively weak. When a woman submits to a man, at least for me to submit to a man, I would submit if I felt like he was a wise leader for my household, our image, and our relationship. There were signs like this one that made me just not feel that way. When things got hard in our relationship, Nicholas ran. He was told to leave by Jen, by his mother, and he left every time. In the big, like the first year of our relationship, this was not true. But over time, his mother taught him very well, taught him to run. And that's just what happened. It would get difficult and he would just leave. I think three times in the last two years of our relationship, I ended up on my knees in the kitchen crying, begging for him to stay and to work things out. Well, he would just look down at me with this wall he had put up behind his eyes. These just loveless eyes telling me that he's just done. And I knew every time, every single time he did this, he wasn't done on his own. Jen was done and Nicholas listened. He was pretty incapable of making choices for himself. Even with the house, Jen told him to take it and he did without a second thought, just handed me paperwork in our apartment, rendering me homeless in three months in him in a house that was going to be our future in our home. This scared me endlessly. I think I was subconsciously in fear of him leaving a lot and probably more often than not. I would tell him that relationships are hard work, that we were going through a lot of stress, that we could get through things, and it was like pulling teeth to get him to stay with the person that he said he loved and that he wanted to marry. I could not trust that he had my, or really our, intentions, our best, inten our best interest at heart. And it was obvious. It made me very sad. It made me, adjusted, it made me adjust how I lived and how I asked for things, how I expressed things, because I was so fearful to lose him again and have to run frantically to herd him back like a sheep. 
even in his last decision to choose not to work out with things with me, not to work out the issues that we had in our relationship, I truly think a big part of it was because his family told him that if he ever spoke to me again or got back together with me, that they would basically just disown him. I am sure Nicholas would have a lot to say about this. That I was a bad woman or a bad candidate for a good wife or that I was too high strung to calm down and accept his leadership. But I feel that I was not receiving the proper leadership qualities by proof from his actions from him for me to be in that place mentally and emotionally. This also has to do with me wanting to have children and a family. For years, and I mean years, I did not want children. I have endometriosis, so having children may be a struggle or maybe not possible for me to physically conceive, but this was not why I did not want a family. I was never really sure why I didn't want one until, get this, until I watched Avatar 2, The Way of Water. This is kind of a huge meme, but Avatar 2 changed my entire perspective on having a family, having a leader, gender roles, and so forth. So most of you know this story. Jake goes to this other planet, Pandora, becomes his avatar, falls in love with a um, member of the... Oh my gosh, what is the name of the tribe? Anyways, this avatar tribe. Well, they're not avatars. They're the... Excuse me. Whatever they are. The blue people. Falls in love with Neytiri and they have a family. Now, Jake is badass. He's a former U.S. Marine. He's intelligent, resourceful, and an amazing leader. But Neytiri, his wife, she is also a badass. She is a warrior. She is fearless. A leader. She will not let anyone stand in the way of her, her people, or her family. Jake and Neytiri fall in love, which is interesting because they are both very strong people and very strong characters. But Jake loves and respects his wife, upholds his wife and her power as a woman and a warrior. Neytiri lets her husband lead, but does not silence herself or change herself. They come together, they lead their family together, but Neytiri also follows Jake's lead in the end when they have a hard conversation about moving. Then comes this line that Jake says, this family is our fortress. Now at this point, as I was watching this in movie theaters alone, like two weeks after leaving Florida and being without Nicholas, I was like sobbing in the theater. I never understood why I didn't want children until that moment. I did not feel safe and upheld as a woman with Nicholas thus affecting my wanting, my urge to have a family. If I didn't feel it, why would my children? Me not wanting children with him also tied into how his family treated me, and that was another fear of mine. I was not respected, and Nicholas was okay with that, and he was okay with not finding a way to change that. I feared that my children, just like Nicholas was, would be trained to dislike and disrespect me as well. I felt this way through my relationship for a long time, but I never had the answer until Jake and Neytiri had their conversation in their home on a floating rock in the sky. It's a weird way to have a revelation, I know, but I'm telling you, it worked for me. Before I give you listeners a solution and some words of unused wisdom, 
I want to make it clear that there were things that I could have worked on as a woman regarding Nicholas's needs as well. Nicholas hated the way I handled stress. And this is probably the only place, if it probably will be the only place that I will make an excuse for my actions. Our life was literally hell. With work, losing my job, the roof, moving, hurricanes, his job, our engagement, family visiting, finances, his school, the list goes on. In the last six months of our relationship before the ending. So I was unable to show him a peaceful relationship because when the opportunity for peace came in, it was too late. But I fully acknowledge that I was really high strung and I really took on more than I could handle sometimes. I have an obsessive mindset with stress and I tackle it head on or I used to tackle it head on in a sense where it would just like consume an entire day. Nicholas wanted more words of affirmation, which I will talk more about in episode nine with the five love languages. He also wanted more physical intimacy and support from me when he was working hard. I am not perfect, but unfortunately I did not get to learn with him and to show him how I could meet his needs and love him better in a partnership with my best friend because he chose to walk away. Let's say you're facing this. You have someone that you love dearly and you would do almost anything for them, and you want every day of forever with them. But the roles you want to take feel unbalanced. Guess what I'm going to tell you? Communicate. You're going to have to sit down together calmly and really express what both of you want and need from your relationship roles. This means your partner will probably have negative feedback for you, and you're going to have to be ready for that. No excuses. Listen, express, and come up with a game plan. Both of you have to be willing to adjust your actions together to become a great team. For me, I wanted more traditional gender roles. I would have spoken with Nicholas about the needs that I had as a woman, and he would speak to me about his needs as a man in the relationship. Then we would have both found a way to alter our actions for one another, and if we did it correctly with love and building trust, it would have been beautiful. The same goes for your relationship. If you both want it, and you both work at it, you will not fail. It is impossible to fail if you are both putting in that effort. Once someone stops, though, you will falter, and you will both have to reconsider if this is meeting your needs. But to gain the chance, gain trust, gain that change, the positive experience, you have to give all of these things just a little bit unwillingly for a short period of time. Change is not instant. It is not overnight gratification. But the gift it gives you in the end, just like the solid foundation that's built, allows for an amazing partnership between you and your partner that will also be seen in your children's lives as well. I will see you next week for the seventh episode of the During Chapter of Minus You which is unhealthy situations equal unhealthy behavior, which is probably my favorite episode of the During Chapter of Minus You, which is where we will talk about how stress and bad situations can deeply affect how you handle yourself and the choices that you make. Until next week, adios. Adios.